Okay, while uh, the boys pick up the cards, I'm going to get us started. So if you guys have been coming to Salt Company this semester, then you know that we have been doing a series on habits. And so we actually wanted to end our series by doing a panel-style Q&A, which isn't normally how we do Salt Company, but we thought that it would actually be really valuable to do this because um, sometimes it's hard to put into... Um, application, the things that we talk about. So we wanted to get more in-depth in that. And and often, like, we actually won't rise to the level of our inspirations, but we'll fall to the level of our habits. And so we, this matters because... Did you guys catch that? Sorry, that was, that was so that, good. Can you say it again? Again, this did not come from me, but from somebody else that I heard talking about it. Just take credit uh, for it. No, it was I good. Listen to that. Credit. That was great. Take this the credit the last for panel. sure. You don't rise to the level of your inspirations, inspirations, but you fall to the level of your habits. So this matters because we actually believe that, that in order to, to walk with Jesus for the rest of your life, you actually need to build healthy rhythms and habits in your life. And so that's why we wanted to end our habit series this way. But before we kind of get into it, I wanted to introduce you guys to a face that may be unfamiliar on this stage right now, and that is Jenna Weichel. Let's just give her a round of applause. Come on, Jenna! Yes. Okay. Heroes wear capes. This is Jenna Weichel. (laughs) So Jenna is a leading woman in our church, and she is someone that, yeah, we wanted to invite her on this panel because she has a lot of wisdom to share with you guys. And she is someone that all three of us really respect and love um, as a coworker and as a friend. So, Jenna, why don't you just take a second to tell them who you are, what family life, what do you do, things like that. Yeah. Well, thanks. I First of all, like I'm super excited to be here. So thanks, guys, for inviting me to be a part of this. Um, yeah, as Abby said, my name is Jenna. And my husband and I moved to Minneapolis three years ago to help start Salt City. And honestly, it's been one of the best decisions of our life. It's been, it's been a blast to see what God has done and just how he is multiplying our church and Salt Company. And it's just fun to be on this journey with all of you guys and what the Lord is doing. Um, yeah, I am on staff at Salt City part-time. Um, I do some women's ministry stuff as long as, as long with the community side of Connection Group. Um, My husband and I have four kids, and we also have three boys who are in, who live in Ghana, Africa, and we have been in the adoption process with them for actually over five years, which is pretty insane, but it's, it's a huge part of our journey and the story that God is writing through us personally and through our family. Um, On a day-to-day basis, I have an amazing privilege of running a nonprofit, and it's called Royal Promise, and I get to run that nonprofit alongside my best friend and a team of people who God has um, just picked who have a heart for the gospel and a heart for Ghana. And our ministry, our mission is we help vulnerable kids who we help their physical needs and their spiritual needs all with one purpose, and that's for them to know Christ. And often our kids come to us through vulnerable situations physically, and in that we are sharing the gospel with them. So we run two mission centers, and they're about six hours from each other. Um, And between the two, we have over 50 kids that we care for on a day-to-day basis. And along with that, we have a school 
And right now we have about 400 students who are enrolled in our school. And we also operate a women's center. And it's a two-year um, program. We have 13 women enrolled for two years. And at the end of it, the goal is that they would um, get employment through the trade of sewing. And kind of a new thing that God is doing, which is pretty exciting, is we're about to plant a church on one of our mission center campuses. So um, we're really excited about that. We're just in the beginning stages of all of that. But yeah, my passion is basically to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And my journey of where God has brought me at has been centered around that. And yeah, it starts with these habits um, that God, that scripture calls us to, and it's just with one focus, and it's just to chase after Christ as hard as you can, and to fall in love with him, so that's all I got. Come on, that is, that's too cool, all right. I don't, I don't get it, like how do you do that many things? I don't understand, anyway, that bio was, all right. So let's ask some questions. So here's how this is going to work. We've got a couple uh, questions that you guys have already sent in that will answer some of those, but it's more fun if we get live questions. So we, yeah, send your questions to that number, put it in your phone if you don't have it, um, and either send questions about something you've heard from Salt uh, company to this point in the year or something that you hear us say if you want us to elaborate on that. We'll try and get to your questions, all right? So uh, let's go to the first one. What do we got? How do I maintain a balance between wanting to develop a habit and having grace, not focusing on it as a box to check? All right, I've got some thoughts, but somebody else go first. You got something, Gonzo? Yeah, I got something. Um, so, okay, maybe I can just elaborate on what I said earlier that you don't rise to the level of your inspiration, but you fall to the level of your habits. So I think going into that a little bit deeper is that inspiration alone isn't going to get you to do something necessarily. So for example, like if you want to um, become a runner, like that alone, like you desiring that and wanting that, that's actually not going to get you to the point of becoming a runner, you actually have to do the work of, okay, I'm going to set out to run two miles this week, or maybe it's literally five minutes. Like I'm going to set out to run five minutes this week. And then the next week I'm going to try to run 10 minutes, whatever. You have to actually create systems in your life to get you there. And so I think even with this question of like not focusing on it as a box to check often, especially with our uh, spiritual disciplines or habits, it feels like that. It feels like, oh, I'm just, just something that I do every day and I'm just marking it off, whatever. But in, in all like practicality, it's not actually different from any other habit that you're trying to develop. So if you want to become a runner, you actually might hate your life for the first month. Like you don't, who likes to run when they've never ran before? There's like, some it's people. It's brutal. I've That's talked true. to them. Marathons? Not very many. Do you guys do Act- that here? Yeah, okay, yeah. But for the us normal humans, no. <laughs> like, we don't actually enjoy that first month or two of building our endurance in running. And the same is with if you are trying to build a habit of reading the Bible, you actually might not love it for the first however long, but I think I always hold true to the promise that Jesus gave us that what you treasure, your heart will follow in. 
And so if you actually choose to treasure, let's say, the Bible and do things in your life to display that to yourself, that act of, okay, I am actually telling myself that I treasure this book by setting aside three minutes to read it every single day, then I've experienced this. Jesus' promise will actually ring true, and one day you will actually start to hunger, and you'll want it more and desire it more. So those are my initial thoughts on that. Okay, very similar wavelengths on this one. So let me just, like, jump in on that, but, I mean, love what you said. So I, I think probably the heart behind some of this question is something similar to how do I not become a legalist which if you are new to Christianity, all that means is kind of the Christianity that everyone hates, which is the performance-based, like the Christian butthead, right? Like how do, how do I not become that person that is really frustrating? And, and, but here's the thing, the, you bec- legalism is something that happens in your heart. So in other words, it's not about that you're a hard worker, it's that you're working hard to try and make a lot of yourself instead of trying to get to know Jesus and serve and love other people, which is at the heart of Christianity, right? And so the issue isn't the hard work and the discipline. The, the issue is the reasoning for the hard work in the discipline. So you check your heart, but you still do the hard work. So the, the similar kind of analogy that was in my head to the running analogy is if you're a D1 basketball player, what do you do? You get in the gym essentially every day. And no one thinks that's weird, Right? No one is going to accuse a D1 basketball player of being a legalist or being weird because he's getting in the gym every day. In fact, if you're a D1 basketball player and you're not in the gym, that's weird. And where I think this translates over to Christianity is I think there are a lot of us who claim Christianity and want the things of Christ. We, we hear the stuff that we talk about at Salt Company and we go, yeah, I want that in my life, but we're never, quote unquote, getting in the gym. And we actually think that the Christians who are really disciplined in their life and devote a lot of their life to reading their Bible, to praying, who give up on other things to be able to pursue that, we tend to think that's weird, but it's actually weird to claim that Jesus has transformed everything about your life and actually not change your habits. That's the weird thing. Um, And so I didn't anticipate getting this like intense right off the bat. I'll be more chill later, but it it is what it is. I, I think that I think that a lot of you in this room who want the things that Jesus offers you and you hear the claims of salvation uh, that we talk about every week, about the joy that you can have, the peace that you can have, the access to Christ that you can have, you have that offer on the table in front of you, but most of you aren't willing to work hard enough to get it. You're, You're just not willing to actually put in the work to get to know God in order to experience that life. And I'm not saying that you work hard enough to earn it, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying in order to to experience how good Jesus is in your life, you need to reorient your entire life around him and all of your habits and how you spend your time around him. And for most of you, you're not actually willing to take that radical step. But if you would, I dare you. I dare you to take a radical step in getting time with him. I promise you your life will be better, not worse. I guarantee it. I've never talked to any person who loves Jesus who has dedicated their life to getting in the word, getting time with him, and being a disciplined person who has regretted it. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to take that step or not. Um, Jenny, you got something to add? Yeah, I think the D1 analogy is great. And um, 
I think the difference is like everything in, in our world that we set habits and self-discipline discipline for, like there, there's an immediate outcome. In, in Christianity, the outcome is a deeper intimacy with Christ. And through that, you miraculously and supernaturally get transformed. Mm -hmm. um, but even in, in my life, yeah, that process started with a self-discipline of choosing to set my alarm and get up and be with the Lord day after day after day. And now that it's transformed into I ended up falling in love with Jesus because I kept showing up. And it's like it's difficult at first, like it is. And the other thing you can't discount is that the enemy doesn't want you to spend time with the Lord. And so that feeling that you have of just like, why is this so hard? It's actually going to be that way. You're always going to have resistance from the enemy to draw closer to the Lord and to walk in obedience to his voice. And the the more you can lean into that and set these habits and just choose like okay nothing about this feels right it might even feel legalistic but just keep showing up and like you said like checking your heart in the process and I guess I don't necessarily see see it as a balance um we are saved by grace and so like you guys said like we're not you're not showing up each day because you need to prove something to the Lord you're just showing up because this is his best life that he has for you. And you you gain access to that by knowing him intimately. And to know somebody, you have to spend time with them. Um, you think of your boyfriend or girlfriend or your best friend. How do you know that person? Because you spend hours and hours with them. And Christ is the same. He is a person and he is alive and he wants to just sit he wants you to be with him. He wants to talk to you, and he wants you to talk to him. And, and through that, in, in, in a gap of time, your relationship will be transformed, and he will transform you, and you, you may or may not even recognize it. Yeah, let's go to the next one. How do you balance living a life <laughs> devoted to Christ and living life to the fullest with the gifts that he has given you? I want to work hard and achieve my goals with the talent he has given me, but when I do, I lose focus of living for him in my daily life. Okay, all right. <clears throat> no, that's a super good question. Also, uh, my, my feet don't touch the ground. These are really tall stools and also really tall tables, so I feel kind of insecure about my posture, so I'm going to try to have good posture while doing this. That's embarrassing. Honestly, relax. <laughs> Jordan's feet touch. Jordan's feet touch. Okay, anyways. Uh, yeah, so to answer the question, okay, immediately I get this tension, okay? So I think this is almost everyone's tension when they first meet Jesus because you like, are like, okay, I want to be a Christian, but my entire life has been lived one way. How do I live a different way? And in this question, it's like how do you balance living a life devoted to Christ and also use the skills and talents he's given you? It's stated as if it's like mutually exclusive, but here's my argument for you. It's I think actually living the best life and the fullest life is by being devoted to Christ. Okay, so being devoted to Jesus gives you like the oomph. Uh, I, in my, uh, oomph, oomph was not the word I wanted. It gives you like the power to actually live the life of living fullness of joy and all that stuff. Like that's, that's actually how you can do it. Um, and so I would say there's nothing wrong with ambition, but point it towards the things of God. Mm -hmm. 
and do things that are hard to do, like actually opening up your Bible in the morning or going to see group when you don't feel like it or showing up to Saul Company when you're tired. Do things, like hold on to that ambition. That's beautiful. Point it towards the things of God. You don't have to pick one or the other. You can actually live out of what God's given you into his calling. But, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, the more that you are even just, like, walking with Jesus on a day-to-day basis, he is going to stretch you in and build who you are in him through that. And so that's you doing the daily grind of walking with Jesus is actually going to make you, I don't want to say like a better you long term, but like he's actually going to use that day-to-day grind to prepare you for what he has for you when he wants to utilize the gifts that he's given you at that time or whatever. So your day-to-day is not a waste in what he wants to do for you in 10 years, you know? So, that, and I think that perspective is even um, not focused on me, but focused on God of like, Lord, it is so good. Like, obviously I want to have ambitions for you, but if I ever only look to my goal and ambitions and forget you in the process, then take it away. You, you do not want to forget Jesus and him wanting to like meet with you every day in your process to achieve a goal that has good intentions but might become your idol instead of Jesus still sitting on the throne. Yeah, let's keep moving. How do I stop a habit that I know is wrong even if I don't want to stop? Partying, drinking, sexual sins, etc. That's a great question. Okay, I'll start, I'll start. Um, Okay, I love this question because I think that um, in some sense, this is like a tiny little step to the answer to this question, which a answer is like start talking about that with the people in your life that that love Jesus. So if if whoever sent this question is like in a connection group right now, like bring this up and confess what God is stirring in your heart. So I think the fact that you're even asking this question is actually saying something about God's pursuit of you and wanting, like he's putting something in your heart that there's obviously like a desire there of like, man, I want to, I think I want to stop doing this, but I don't know how. So that's actually a first step in itself. So I would say confess, like bring that up to the people in your life that want to walk with you that and speak truth into you and then the quick second thing that I would say with that is to just trust that I mean in your walk with Jesus Jesus is the one that does the heavy lifting not you so trust that even when it's hard and even when it feels like you can't like it is so difficult to stop this whatever like depend on the spirit that he's he is your strength he is he is with you as you pursue fighting this, um, yeah, thing that you know is actually harmful. So those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just asking the question is definitely an indicator that God is doing a work in your heart. And so just keep leaning into that. Um, Yeah, I think, sorry, can you put the question back up there? I'm a visual person. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I'm just thinking of some scriptures. You know, one of the scriptures, Jesus tells us that when we are tempted, there's always a way out. And so just even recognizing that this, these habits are your temptation to sin and to ask God to highlight to you, what is, what is my way out and how can I pursue that in these situations that continue to tempt me? 
The other is just um, with every bad habit that you are trying to get rid of, it needs to be replaced with something that is life-giving and um, from the Lord. Um, if you don't do that, then that will just come back. And obviously surrounding yourself with community and accountability and just um, God does so much with our desires when we, when we bring them to him and say, I don't like this in myself. Will you give me new desires? Will you give me a new heart and a new affection? And that step alone, you'll be blown away but by what God can do with just that honest confession. So I wanted to read Romans 7 really quick because you're not alone in this. This is the same thing that Paul talked about. He says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So you might have gotten lost somewhere in there, but essentially Paul's saying, I want to be a good person, but there's this thing called sin in me that makes me want everything else. And I'm tempted to listen to this sin that lives in me instead of what I actually want. Um, and that is true for every Christian, including and especially us on stage. So you're not alone in that. And the answer to that is Romans 8, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The answer is that Jesus can set you free. And, and when you experience the freedom of Christ, what you realize is, is that the life he's offering you is better than the one you have in sin. That's the only way that you will be able to walk away from sin is not because somebody tells you you should. I tried to do that for a long time. It was awful. It didn't work. And I had to get to the point where I wanted a different life than sin because I believed that Jesus was amazing because I had experienced him and he was awesome and I just wanted more of him. So if you're a Christian, that's what's true of you. Keep trusting that and asking him for forgiveness, and that will become more true of you. Mm -hmm. You also might not be a Christian, and that might be why you want sin. And so do what Abby said. Talk about that in your connection group. Be honest and figure out what it means to follow Christ. So what do we got next? During what period of time in your life have you grown the most in developing spiritual habits? Tony, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh in college, which I know the temptation. I understand the temptation. I remember, I mean, I make fun of Jordan a lot. I don't mean, I don't mean to make fun of him. He's just so nice, and it's okay. Uh, I remember him talking about all this stuff my junior year of college and just being like, dude, you are out of your mind. There's no chance, no way in heck I'm resting. Not going to read the Bible. Not interested. Okay, here was my perspective when I was in college is that like, there's this phantom reality that I one day live where, like, life suddenly is really easy and not busy. That was my perspective. I was like, man, it has to come. But then I met people who were, like, adults. And they're like, yeah, I have kids. And they, like, steal my sleep. And I'm like, my sleep? Like, the one thing that I have? Okay. Uh, here's the deal. I started practicing spiritual habits when I was in college. Not because I was like, oh, I want to become this really holy person. But because, honestly, I was drowning. And... I was spiritually sick. I know that I talked about that a couple weeks ago, but I genuinely mean this, that you could see symptoms in my life of pretty deep sickness. And the only way that I saw a path to healing was through Jesus and spending time with him and being in his word and delighting and resting in him. Those were the healing 
mechanisms in my life. And so that's why I started in college. Jenna, can you talk about following Jesus in busyness? Because you are. And we've been doing this series on busyness and like what it looks like to fight that. And so can you talk about what that looks like for you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think for me, what it looks like is it's rooted in the spiritual disciplines that God has um, shown me in my life that are vital. And one thing about busyness, especially in um, just being a Christian, like your goal isn't busyness. Your goal is just falling, falling in love with Jesus and obeying his word and obeying his voice. And as you do that, you will find that you become busy because he has works prepared for you ahead of time that he has ordained that he wants you to carry out. But you don't have to go and try to be busy. Um, that isn't the goal or the purpose of our walk with him. Our walk with him is just to keep our eyes fixed on him. And as we do, he brings along the things that he has for us. Um, yeah, I think in the busyness, like if if I get out of whack with any, with my relationship with Christ, the busyness, like, like it can, it can overtake the focus. And so I'm, I'm constantly evaluating myself and, and just asking for prayer of like refocusing in perspective of like, okay, why am I doing this? Um, and who am I doing this for? And making sure that that's in line with what, what the Lord is asking me to do. Um, yeah, in college, like it's a transition from high school to college and it is a new kind of busyness and like, I don't want to discount that, but yeah, when you move to the next stage in life, um, if you choose to get married and have a family or have a career that's full time, your busyness only increases. And so I love what you are sharing, like in college, it's the time where you can establish these um, spiritual disciplines and habits that will be the foundation for the rest of your life. And the longer you allow these habits to not start, the harder it is to get in them as your life just gets busier and busier. Um, what's interesting is from the outside looking in on my life, it does look busy, but for me, these are just the things that God has for me to do. And so he equips me to do them because I'm walking in in obedience to the things he has, but I'm always prioritizing my time with him. Like, I can't do anything that I do in my life if I am not spending time with Jesus. I mean, ask my kids. Like, if me up in the morning and not meeting with Jesus before they see me versus them <laughs> seeing me when I have seen been with Jesus, it's pretty much night and day. Um, it it focuses my whole day and my whole outlook on why I do what I do and, and equips me to do what God has called me to do. Jenna, what's something that like when you were in college, so these guys age, that you either did that you're like so thankful that like you did this thing that's prepared or even helped you for where you're at now or that you look back and you're like, I wish I would have done that in regards to like habits and things? Yeah, I think... It's spending time with Jesus. <laughs> I kind of sound like a broken record, but um, the, the time that God intervened into this was actually after one of our children was born, so it wasn't in college. Um, it was a little bit later after we had been married and um, started having kids that God started um, 
highlighting sin to me and showing me that I was sacrificing for everything else, but I wasn't sacrificing to make time for him. Um, so I think looking back to college, um, I was very self-disciplined in my schoolwork, in my bedtime even. Nobody could mess with my bedtime. <laughs> um, yeah, but I wasn't making time for Jesus um, in college, and because of that, I did um, choose a lot of sin, and I I walked a fine line of just, I, my standard of living was the people I surrounded myself with, and not scripture or Jesus, and it wasn't until after Nate and I got married that God started intervening into that, so looking back, um, I'm sure it's many of the things you guys have talked through in this series, but just being with Jesus and getting to know him is the thing that I wish I would have invested more time in. I want to highlight something that she said where she was talking about she's still busy, but she's busy doing the right things. So I think that's key. And and I, I actually, like, looking back on our series, I wish that I would have been more clear on this, that sometimes the answer to busyness is like quitting the stuff you're doing, okay? Sometimes you need to be willing to look at your schedule and just be like, I've got to get stuff out of this. But a lot of the time, it's not necessarily just quitting everything, but it's looking ahead to the person that you want to become and what matters and then reverse engineering that back into your life and living towards those things and get getting rid of the things that are distracting, right? So the application of I'm busy is probably not, oh, I'm going to stop coming to Salt Company and Connection Group because that adds to my busyness. No, like if you want to follow Jesus, this is part of the way that you follow Jesus. So the point isn't to just have nothing on your calendar and not be busy. The point is to be present with Christ. And you can do that while you're doing a lot of stuff. It's just the difference between re being really anxious and really worried and really future-oriented and being able to have a lot going on in your life, but to be present with him, abiding in him, and for it to be about him. All right? So, yeah, let's keep going. What habit do you practice that you feel is the most life-giving in your relationship with God? The word of God. All right, here's the deal. I love the Bible, and here's why, okay? Why are you talking in that low voice? I don't know, honestly. I love the Bible. I just get very pumped about this, and so I'm trying to reel down the emotion. All right, here's the deal, guys. I heard a quote this morning, which I was like, wow, that'll preach. So here's what we're going to say, okay? Churchill said once, he was a famous man long ago, he said... He's dead for sure, I think. You're yeah. killing this right now. It's definitely dead. I'm going to get started. Here's the quote. You're going to like this one. Take it to the bank. Uh, the empires of the future are empires of the mind, which I was like, I see where you're famous. I understand. High quality quote. All right, here's the deal. When I wake up in the morning. Wait, you're going to explain that quote? Uh, yeah, it just means like, you know, territorial boundaries doesn't it define empires anymore. It's all about ideologies. Okay. That's not my application. My application is this. When I wake up in the morning at a crisp old 530 in the morning, guess what I'm not thinking to start my day? I'm not like, wow, can't wait to love someone, feeling great, God is good. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm dying. I'm stressed out and I'm anxious. Those are my immediate thoughts at 530 in the morning. Okay. When I take out my Bible, I've got my cold brew in my hand, I slow down, I sit on the carpet, whatever, 
Here's what I'm thinking. Wait, why the carpet? I really like the carpet. It's so good. <laughs> like not a chair. Like, no, like no. The carpet. Chairs, I think, are you need a table. He goes to Starbucks. Have, he gets his cold brew. No, no, no. This weird. is at my house. I have cold brew that you can buy and put in your say, fridge. Starbucks open. Okay. Anyways, here's the deal. At 5:30 in the morning, I'm asking God to shape my mind. That's what I'm asking Him to do. Because what's true is, no matter how like even killed you think you are. First thing in the morning, setting your heart and mind towards Christ is just super hard. And so my, my ask from God in his word every single morning is, God, would you set my eyes and my heart towards your goodness? Because right now, I want to go back to bed for sure and stress out about my day second. Also, all of that to say, Jesus is my best friend. And one of the best ways to get to know him is to like read about who he is. And get excited about what he's done and pumped about what he'll do in the future. And the word of God will do that for you. So read the Bible, you know what I mean? Yes, that's, that is great. Okay, guys, one that I'm very excited about right now. If I'm reading the Bible with you right now, we're literally doing this. So in, like, in my time with God, I've started to do some more intentional, like, uh, just meditating over God's word. And so even just to explain what that means. So I feel like when I used to think of meditation, I would literally think of the, like, mm, and, like, you're emptying your mind and, like, relaxing, whatever, which is, like, things that people do, which is great and whatever. But when the Bible, <laughs> when the Bible talks about meditation, it's actually not about emptying your minds, but filling your mind with truth of scripture. And so a way that I've been doing that is through, um, like, uh, just a way that you can meditate that's called seven arrows. So you can actually Google it and do the seven arrows Bible study. Just Google that and it'll tell you what it is. But pretty much what it forces me to do is just slow down and think about what I'm reading. So I'll like, I'll look back and think about, okay, what's the context? I'll like say, okay, what does this say about God? What does it say about me? Like, what does this demand of me? Whatever. But it, I'm not kidding you guys. It has been so sweet and so refreshing like to do because I think, yeah, I think I've been thirsting for that and not even realizing it. And God has, yeah, really just used it to force me to slow down in my time with him. And so if you want to know more about it, I could talk to you about it afterwards because I'm very hyped about it right now. It's obviously the Okay. I'm also excited about this question. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously reading the word. Um, but two that since I started in my life have transformed a lot of things is one, um, I have a gift list on my phone and so it's gratitude. So it's just choosing throughout the day to, to recognize things in my life that I'm grateful for or that bring me joy or that things that I see God doing. And then I just keep a list on my phone. Like, so for the month, whatever the day is, um, and it can be stuff like coffee. Coffee makes my list almost every day. And it's writing it out like that, too, is the connection that God is in all things. And all things come from his hand. And so sometimes it's stuff that simple. And then sometimes it's obviously larger things. Um, and then the second one is having a Sabbath. And I think you guys talked about this one week, rest, didn't you? Rest. Rest for sure. <laughs> Um, Great topic. Yeah, sa having a Sabbath is vital, and I didn't know that until God started um, drawing me into a Sabbath. And um, 
I'll try not to like preach all this right now, but that has been one of the most life-giving habits that um, God has led me to start doing. And it seems backwards that as you get busier, that you would take an entire day to rest. And yet that's how God works. He is backwards. And as we, as you choose to intentionally rest in him and set everything aside, it's an act of faith. And it's this reminder that you and yourself don't have the capability to do anything. And that it's God who is working in you and through you. And when you just literally put everything down, and for me, it, it looks like physical rest coupled with like usually more time with him. And then just time with my kids and my family or we're at basketball tournaments a lot, honestly, is what we're doing. But that is restful for me. And then um, this crazy thing happens on my Sabbath. Like I, I like my body almost shuts down. <laughs> but then the next day I wake up and it's like God re-energizes me and focuses me for the, for the week ahead and the tasks at hand. So if you guys don't, currently take a Sabbath. It's another thing that the sooner you can implement that in your life, the better. I think for me growing up, I had a skewed view of what a Sabbath was and thought that was just an Old Testament thing. And it turns out it's very life-giving. Sweet. Let's keep moving. How do you actually know where God is leading you? Is there a space where God can communicate that better to us? Okay, so here's my main, this is the classic, like, what's God's will for my life question. And the main thing I want to tell you is um, to, to stop freaking out and to just make a decision because Jesus loves you. And so you've maybe heard me talk about this analogy that I stole from this guy named Alex Tuckness, but here's the, the basic premises. Imagine a kid whose dad tells him, hey, go play out in the backyard, have a ton of fun, just make sure you stay within the fence, just stay in the backyard. So the kid runs out, comes back in crying, and the dad's like, what's up, buddy, what happened? And the kid is like, dad, I don't know if you want me to play in the sandbox or on the swing set, and I'm really stressed about it. And the dad's like, buddy, play wherever you want, just stay in the backyard, right? Like, I love you, just go have fun. The backyard is God's instructions to you about how to live, about what's right and wrong. That is his primary will for your life. If you stay within those boundaries and you prayerfully trust him and just do something, just make a decision and move forward, you are not going to derail God's plans for your life. He loves you. He's not sort of hiding his plans from you and hoping that you kind of can figure it out and hope for the best. And if you don't, it messes stuff up. Literally, you could just decide right now on some of the biggest decisions of your life and just go do it, and it would be totally fine because Jesus loves you. There's security in God's love. Just make a decision and go for it. I started smiling during that illustration because I just imagined Graham running up to you and you saying that to him. That's all I have to say. He can't really play in the backyard so yet. Cute. He doesn't know how to he's like so Yeah, yeah, he will. It'll be great. He is so cute. You're he right. He's the best. All right. Next one. When is the time that you know God has been leading you to do something? How did he guide or prompt you in that time of life? Rapid fire. Rapid fire? Yeah, but you, you don't all have to do it. It just has to be fast. Oh, 
Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I can use the example of him leading our family from Iowa to Minnesota. Um, the one thing I will say about this, though, is, like, God's word is the foundation of our choices, and he will never ask you to do something that is outside of scripture. Now, can I open the Bible and see um, if it says I should move from Iowa to Minnesota? No, I can't. But does that decision line up with scripture and the fact that does God ask us to sacrificially lay down our lives so that other people can know him? Yeah, it does. In Genesis, we just read about God telling Abraham to leave the land that he knew and go to a foreign land, and he didn't have any details about that. And so that is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Like, when God is leading you to make a decision, it's going to line up with Scripture. And um, the other thing with that is he will speak... So that's, that's the, like, foundation, but how he confirms and speaks to all of us, I believe, can be different. He can give, he can give dreams and visions. He can speak through his still, small voice. He, can, he speaks through repetition and confirmation, and all of those things are found in Scripture. And so how he led Nate and I and our family here was through all of those, actually, but it was about a year and a half process, and it started as like a still small voice from him. And um, I have this thing with the Lord. When he says things like this, I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and then he has this way of responding very gently, like, actually, this is what I want from you. And kind of a funny story. So this is not fast. I'm sorry. Um, it's good. It's just not okay. fast. No. Yeah. Can I tell my funny Jenna. story? Tell your okay, funny story. Okay, so I was in we'll Target um, in Ames, and obviously, like, I was walking past the college stuff, and in Ames, there's only Cyclone clothes that you can buy. I had just been praying, like, okay, Lord, are you seriously asking us to move to Minnesota? So I'm, like, walking down this aisle, and I look over, and there's a pair of Minnesota Gopher slippers tucked in amongst all of the Iowa State Cyclone stuff. <laughs> And I just started laughing, and, like, that to me is God's humor. Now, did I move here because I saw gopher slippers? <laughs> no. Did you buy the slippers? <laughs> did you get the slippers? No, I didn't buy them either. No slippers. At that point, I was still kind of wasn't sure about this. But anyway, it was, it's little things like that, and then it's, um, yeah, just repetition and confirmation, and then seeking him in earnest prayer, and then having other people just sharing, okay, we think this is what God is saying for our lives, like, can you just pray? And then every decision I've ever made that is crazy or, or small is accompanying with supernatural peace. And you cannot walk in God's will outside of his peace. Um, sorry, not short. Well, that's, that was great, though. Um, we got to wrap this up. So, guys, here's, here's the main thing I want you to, to take with you is even though we're focusing on these, these habits and the things that you do in your walk with Christ, the whole point is getting him. The, the, the whole point is that he actually offers you the life that you've always wanted. And the reason why your soul has never been satisfied in anything else in this world is because your soul is longing for him. And often it's really, really hard to follow Jesus but it's always worth it because you get him and he's what you were made for and he loves you unconditionally. 
And, and so as you walk through this stuff and as you inevitably screw it up, the point is not your faithfulness to God. It's his faithfulness to you. He loves you. He will always be with you. He always wants a relationship with you. Just go back to him and trust him. All right, let me pray. Yeah, Father, thank you for um, this time to get together and talk about what it looks like to follow you. And yeah, I know I know this is a little bit different than what we typically do, God, but um, that's okay. I, I want us to care. I want us as a ministry, I want to care personally about not just throwing cool events and getting hyped up about Jesus. I want to actually back up what I say with how I live. And I want us to be a ministry that is deep and that actually is changing and actually is looking like you. And and that's going to take us learning how to change some of the habits and the rhythms of our life to to get time with you. The only way to have life in you is to abide in the vine, to be connected to the source of life. And a lot of times that's, that's hard work, but God, would you turn us into a ministry that cares enough about being like you and knowing you that we're willing to do the hard work to know you. You're so worth it, Jesus. You're so amazing. You're worth our entire lives. That's what we want to see happen at the conference is we want to be a group of people that get together and say, we'll do anything for you, Jesus. Whatever you want, we'll do it because we know you're good. We know you're worth it. And so, yeah, God, make us into a group of people that actually live differently, that actually look like you, love the way that you love, and that trust you. Um, But we don't do that naturally. We need your help. We love you. Amen.